Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of October 6. In the news, 100,632 forcibly displaced Armenians from Artsakh are now in Armenia. No more than 100 Armenians remain in Artsakh. Azerbaijan backs out of the Granada talks, insists on Ankara's participation, says regional issues should be discussed within a regional framework. Armenia and France sign an agreement on the provision of military equipment, and Armenia ratifies the Rome Statute, angering the Kremlin while the EU welcomes the decision. Following the Azerbaijani attack on Artsakh on September 19, in a matter of a few days, 100,632 people were forcibly displaced from Artsakh to Armenia, according to Artsakh's former state minister and human rights ombudsman, Artak Beklarian. The number of people who have remained under Azerbaijani rule is no more than 40 residents. The UN mission has estimated that the number can be from 50 to 100 people. More than 98% of the displaced population of Artsakh are already registered with Armenia's Ministry of Internal Affairs. More than 50% of the registered persons have benefited from government-provided shelters or other government social assistance programs. The state assistance programs uh, focus on providing financial support, educational, health care, and employment assistance. The government is providing a one-time support of 100,000 drams to each person forcibly displaced from Nagorno-Karabakh. People who have bank accounts will receive the assistance in the matter of few days, and those who don't have been asked to open an account, and they will receive a card free of charge. According to another program, each forcibly displaced person will receive 40,000 drams to rent an apartment and 10,000 drams for utility costs for the next six months. This program can only benefit those who do not own property in Armenia. 20 children and 216 senior citizens from Artsakh who are without caretakers are now under the care of Armenia's Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs. 21,266 of the forcibly displaced from Artsakh our children. The Ministry of Health announced that medical care and services will be free of charge for the population of Artsakh and based on their needs, a person can apply to a primary health care medical organization near their place of residence. As of October 5, 309 people are receiving treatment in medical institutions in Armenia. And Maria, this is not the complete package. Mm-hmm. They're trying and some of these are not in place yet, but there have been made decisions. There's also uh, universities are active to make sure that education is not uh, further interrupted, let me put it that way. Right, and there still are many, many people who have not been able to find uh, accommodation. We've heard stories of people, you know, in different regions staying in conditions that are not conducive to a dignified life at the moment. Um, So it's still very chaotic. As the days go on, we hope that everybody will be settled uh, in some kind of accommodation throughout the country. Well, this week, Azerbaijan arrested a number of high-ranking government and military officials from Artsakh. Over the past two weeks, Artsakh's former presidents, Arkady Rugasian, Bako Sahagian, and Araik Harutunian, Parliament Speaker David uh, Ishanian, the former commander of the Artsakh Defense Army, Levo Manatsaganian, and former deputy commander, um, David Manukian, former state minister, Ruben Vartanian, and Artsakh's former foreign affairs minister, David Babayan, have been detained, uh, arrested, and charged with several criminal offenses. These include forming and organizing illegal armed units, provisions of weapons, ammunition, explosives, military equipment, and military supplies to those illegal armed groups that carried out supposedly raids on officers, organizations, and individuals that caused the death of people and other serious 
serious consequences. They're basically also charged with terrorism, yeah, uh, different everything counts. Under, yeah, everything. Well, additionally, there is an international search for Artsakh's former commander of the Defense Army, Jalal Harutunyan, Artsakh's last president, Samvel Shahramanian, however, was reported to have arrived in Armenia on October 4. As a response to this, on October 4, Armenia's foreign ministry issued a statement condemning the arrests and noted that despite the dialogue with the representatives of Artsakh, Azerbaijani law enforcement continued arbitrary arrests and uh, that Armenia will take all possible steps to protect the rights of illegally arrested representatives of Nagorno-Karabakh, including in international courts. The Armenian Foreign Affairs Ministry called on international partners to follow up on all their messages addressed to Azerbaijan regarding the protection of the rights and the security of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh and to address the issue. Armenia has also submitted a request to the European Court of Human Rights to ensure the protection of the rights of all representatives of the former and current leadership of Artsakh and oblige Azerbaijan to release them immediately. And it was really difficult to watch those images of uh, these former leaders, uh, you know, handcuffed, uh, being taken away. And then there are photographs just everywhere on social media uh, in a very humiliating manner. And I was uh, actually felt uh, watching one of those videos and they're holding their heads down yeah, like no they do when they're uh, someone's arrested and is being put in a car but w- w- just walking uh, to without any just to humiliate well the arrival of over 100,000 forcibly displaced Armenians has created many short and long-term challenges for Armenia as a response to that several UN agencies such as World Food Program UNFPA and others have provided support and a number of countries, including the U.S., France, the EU, Germany, well, uh, from the EU, Germany, Spain, and others have already offered aid. The assistance has been in form of food, essential medical and hygiene supplies, medical personnel and equipment, and money, and uh, it's amounting to $65 million at this point. We have, uh, in our News Watch section, we have article that's constantly being updated. It's titled, Foreign Aid for Forcibly Displaced Artsakh Armenians, and uh, We've updated it already several times. For a more comprehensive Mm -hmm. understanding, you can check the article. On October 5, Human Rights Watch issued a statement saying that governments involved in facilitating talks between Azerbaijan and Armenia should secure concrete commitments from Azerbaijan's president on respecting, protecting, and implementing the right to return of ethnic Armenians from Nagorno-Karabakh. The statement said Azerbaijan's plan for reintegration of the region and its residents should set out how, in both short and long term, it will respect human rights, in particular those of ethnic minorities, and it should welcome an independent mission for sustained international monitoring of these commitments, and Azerbaijan's partners should insist on an international monitoring mission to report publicly on conditions facing ethnic Armenians who have remained in Nagorno-Karabakh and to identify human rights violations, particularly those that would undermine ethnic Armenians' right to return to their homes. Earlier, on October 4, Azerbaijani media reported that 15 Armenians have applied to Azerbaijan State Migration Service to join the reintegration process in Artsakh. On October 1, the UN mission led by Vladanka Andreeva, UN resident coordinator in Azerbaijan, visited Artsakh. The team included representatives from several UN agencies. The report released after the visit stated, 
died. In parts of the city that the team visited, they saw no damage to civilian public infrastructure, including hospitals, schools, and housing, or to cultural and religious structures. The mission saw that the government of the Republic of Azerbaijan was preparing for the resumption of health services and some utilities in the city. The mission saw that no shops were open. I, I mean, who are the health services for? Why would there be shops open if there are no <laughs> people? The mission estimated the remaining Armenian population in Artsakh is from 50 to a thousand people, saying that it was struck by uh, the sudden manner in which the local population left their homes and the suffering the experience must have caused. The report added that the mission did not come across any reports, neither from the local population interviewed nor from the interlocutors of uh, incidents of violence against civilians following the last ceasefire. I mean, just the wording. They were struck by the sudden manner in which the local population left. Well, they were it's expecting so Stepan Aguirre to be a buzzing city after absurd. everyone witnessed 100,000 people coming, more than 100, coming to, to Armenia, but they were expecting a buzzing city with open shops. And <laughs> it, I mean, it was insulting. It was absolutely insulting, uh, really egregious on their part. But anyway... The statement went on to say, with limited access to rural areas, no information was available on livestock and farming, including whether farmers have access to or are ready for wheat sowing in the upcoming sorry, in the upcoming season. The mission did not observe any destruction of agricultural infrastructure or dead animals from the road. Well, the report stated that it was unable to say whether the Armenian population would return and stressed the need to build trust and confidence. The mission stated that the UN in Azerbaijan plans to continue to regularly visit the region. But are they expecting more the people to yeah. uh, buy or they're just like really looking for those dead animals? I don't know. The report concluded, the mission calls for all efforts to be made to ensure the protection of the rights of the local population. The UN and Azerbaijan stands ready to support the remaining local population and those who wish to return in support of the government of the Republic of Azerbaijan and in partnership with other stakeholders and partners. I think we should stop there. On October 5, however, in a meeting with a delegation led by the representatives of the UN's Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs in Geneva, Armenia's Foreign Minister at Mizoyan expressed Armenia's disappointment with the factual inaction of the UN for several months regarding the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh, as well as strong dissatisfaction with the visit of the delegation led by the UN resident coordinator in Azerbaijan to Nagorno-Karabakh on October 1 and the press release on its results. The Armenian Foreign Ministry issued a separate statement noting that the visit of the delegation of the UN resident coordinator in Azerbaijan, quote, cannot be considered an interagency mission, which has nothing to do with the expectations of the Armenian side and the international community. The statement also said that uh, the visit of the delegation took place only when Nagorno-Karabakh was completely deprived of its indigenous Armenian population as a result of ethnic cleansing. As an objective assessment, the UN delegation could only record the fact of the displacement of Armenians from Nagorno-Karabakh, witnessing how the people of Nagorno-Karabakh left their homes, the graves of their relatives, and centuries-old culture and religious heritage. It further noted that the press release published after the visit of the UN team is very biased and does not reflect the situation on the ground. It does not mention the numerous killed and wounded resulting from Azerbaijan's large-scale attack, the targeting of civilian infrastructure, more than 
a nine-month-long blockade of the Lachin Corridor and the resulting humanitarian crisis, the abduction of citizens by the Azerbaijani Special Services from the illegal checkpoint located at the Hakari Bridge and other facts known to international partners. On October 5, the European Parliament adopted, by a vote of 391 in favor and nine against, a non-binding resolution on the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh after Azerbaijan's attack and the continuing threats against Armenia. The resolution condemns in the strongest terms the pre-planned and unjustified military attack by Azerbaijan against the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh, which it says represents a gross violation of international law and human rights and a clear infringement of the trilateral ceasefire statement of November. November 9, 2020, and of the commitments that Azerbaijan made in the negotiations mediated by the EU. It further expressed its solidarity with the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh who have been forced to flee their homes and ancestral lands and described the situation as amounting to ethnic cleansing. It urges the EU and its member states to adopt targeted sanctions against the individuals in the Azerbaijani government responsible for multiple ceasefire violations and violations of human rights in NK and calls for investigations into the abuses committed by Azerbaijani forces that could constitute war crimes. The resolution, which is, as we said, non-binding, expresses disappointment at the way in which the first UN mission to Nagorno-Karabakh in 30 years was organized and conducted and called for the urgent replacement of the Russian peacekeeping forces with a UN peacekeeping mission in Nagorno-Karabakh and along the international border between Armenia and Azerbaijan in order to effectively protect the safety and security of the Armenian population of Nagorno-Karabakh. It also warns Azerbaijan against any potential military adventurism against Armenia proper and calls on Turkey to restrain its ally, Azerbaijan, from undertaking any such irresponsible actions. And it's kind of funny. I mean, Turkey's the one who's been supporting. <laughs> Inspiring. Inspiring. Right, let's say. Well, uh, it calls for a comprehensive review of EU's relationship with Azerbaijan and on the European Commission to quickly reconsider the strategic partnership with Azerbaijan in the field of energy. It further calls for the EU's dependency on gas exports from Azerbaijan to be reduced and expresses serious concern about Azerbaijan's import of Russian gas and the notable Russian share in the production and transportation of Azerbaijani gas for the EU, which contradicts the EU objective of undermining Russia's capacity to continue its war of aggression against Ukraine by cutting its revenues from oil and gas exports to the EU. It goes on, but a couple of important points. Well, we couldn't have said it better ourselves, (laughs) but uh, unfortunately, again, non-binding. Yeah, it condemns the inaction of Russian peacekeepers, the overall role played by Russia, which for decades has fueled the conflict and used it for its own political gains, and condemns Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan for exploiting the armed conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh to promote an imperialistic agenda and for encouraging further attacks against Armenia's sovereignty. Well, to sum up, it also uh, expressed dissatisfaction that they didn't listen to the all the alarms coming from Armenia and called for a change of staff that's staff mm-hmm. that's dealing with the region. I think that also includes Toivo Klar, the special representative who has made some questionable tweets after the attack. 
Well, on October 5, Turkey's foreign ministry criticized the European Parliament's resolution, as it always does, as a symbol of irresponsibility, prejudice, bias, and ignorance. It said Turkey exerts an extensive effort in establishing peace, stability, and prosperity in the South Caucasus. Yes, this he does. They do by transporting mercenaries and bringing terrorists to the region. Uh, conducts a normalization process with Armenia and makes concrete contributions to the peace process between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And this next section is about Turkey's concrete contribution to the peace process. Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev refused to participate in the five-party meeting yesterday in Granada, Spain. Baku suggested that the Turkish side also participate in the meeting, but Berlin and Paris didn't agree. Baku accuses France of being pro-Armenian and criticizes the statements of the President of the European Council. A deputy spokesperson of the at the U.S. State Department, Vedant Patel, said that the U.S. takes note of Aliyev's refusal to attend the meeting in Granada. The United States continues to believe that dialogue between Armenia and Azerbaijan remains incredibly important to finding a dignified and lasting peace in the South Caucasus. Azerbaijani President's advisor Hikmet Hajiyev yesterday stated that Baku is still ready for a trilateral meeting to be held in Brussels in the near future. In the EU-Azerbaijan-Armenia format, Hajiyev said that Baku supports the Brussels trilateral format, which is supported by the President of the Council of the European Union, Charles Michel. And yesterday, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan participated in the third summit of the European political community in Granada. Pashinyan had meetings with many state leaders leaders, including Ursula van der Leyen, President of the EU Commission, the Prime Ministers of Greece, Slovenia, Luxembourg, Ireland, Norway, and many others. Pashinyan met with the President of European Council, the President of France, and the Chancellor of Germany, after which a four-way statement was released emphasizing unwavering support for the independent sovereignty, territorial integrity, and inviolability of, of the borders of Armenia. They also expressed their support for the strengthening of EU-Armenia relations in all its dimensions based on the needs of the Republic of Armenia. The statement included an agreement to provide humanitarian aid to Armenia uh, due to the displacement of the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh with a focus on their right to return home under international monitoring respecting their rights, culture, and history. The statement also added that a commitment to normalize Armenia-Azerbaijan relations based on mutual recognition of sovereignty, borders, and territorial integrity must be made. Emphasis on non-use of force, border demarcation using SSSR general staff maps, and solving humanitarian issues were also mentioned. A call for greater regional cooperation, including opening Armenia-Turkey borders and regional ties while respecting sovereignty, equality, and reciprocity, was stated as well as a call for releasing detained resolving missing persons' fate and facilitating demining efforts in the region. Well, Pashinyan also had a brief meeting with the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, as well. Zelensky tweeted a picture saying, during our first meeting, the prime minister of Armenia and I focused on the security situation in the South Caucasus. It is in the interest of Ukraine that stability and friendly relations prevail between the nations living in that region. And and then he uh, tweeted. The day after <laughs> tweeted thanking Azerbaijan for their great support in the energy sector. Well, it's very clear who in Europe benefits from uh, Azerbaijan's energy, who blocks any potential EU statement, who supports Azerbaijan. So, I mean, it's clear that Ukraine is going to be doing that. 
Well, during the summit, the president of the European Council, Charles Michel, said that in a recent conversation with Azerbaijan's president, he stated that Baku cannot have territorial claims against Yerevan and demanded to guarantee the mutual recognition of the territorial integrity of Armenia and Azerbaijan. He said that he will invite the leaders of Armenia and Azerbaijan to a meeting in Brussels at the end of October. Earlier in the week, on September 3, in an interview with Euronews European Council President Charles Michel said that it's clear for everyone to see that Russia has betrayed the Armenian people. Russia wanted to have soldiers on the ground to guarantee this peace and security agreement, but we see that the military operation was launched without the slightest reaction from the Russian peacekeeping forces in the territory the European Union, on the other hand, had no force or military presence on the ground, Michel added. Yeah, we know that. He also stated that he is extremely disappointed by the decision that was taken by Azerbaijan and has expressed this very firmly to Aliyev. Um, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and Armenian Prime Minister during that uh, meeting in Granada issued a joint statement reiterating their condemnation of the military operation, reaffirming the need to respect sovereignty, territorial integrity of both Armenia and Azerbaijan, again, based on the Alma-Ata declaration. Um, you know, they talked about territories. We They also stressed the opening of regional connectivity links that should be based on full respect of countries' sovereignty and jurisdiction. Despite the energy and gas deal. Well... On October 3, Armenia's Prime Minister Nicole Pashinyan welcomed the French Foreign Minister Katrin Kolona. Pashinyan said Nagorno-Karabakh became a victim of ethnic cleansing and unfortunately it was not possible to activate the international mechanisms. He also emphasized that the authorities of Azerbaijan are carrying out illegal arrests in Nagorno-Karabakh, which should also be in the center of international attention. Kolona said that France has planned uh, 12.5 million euros of humanitarian aid to Armenia and assured that this help will continue if needed. She said that Paris has agreed to sign an agreement with Yerevan on the provision of military equipment. She went on to say that she has also officially written to the representative of the European Union, Joseph Borrell, to expand the observation mission, the EUMA, and strengthen the mandate so that they can be even more helpful to Armenia. She also proposed to include Armenia in the European peace mechanism. The French uh, minister also expressed hope that the EU and its members will start to show the same clear signals as France in showing that any action that threatens the territorial integrity of Armenia will be met with a very clear and strong response. I hope we can also rely on other partners and friends, in particular the U.S., she said. Yeah, let's make this clear that these statements are being made because when, not if, when Azerbaijan does attack Armenia, maybe we should uh, call these people up and say, do you remember, like Yuri Kim said, <laughs> who is now the former assistant acting secretary of state, that they would not tolerate, tolerate. ethnic cleansing in Gharapagh, and we saw what happened there. Well, they're still not tolerating it. <laughs> Earlier, before her visit during a Q&A uh, in parliament, Kelowna announced that France will soon open a consulate uh, in Armenia's southern region of Sunik, near the border, and later the spokesperson of the Azerbaijani foreign ministry tweeted claiming that the statements by the French foreign minister about the blockade and forcibly displaced people in Yerevan do not contribute to peace. In the foothills of uh, Kolona's visit and announcements on October 5 at the European uh, Political Community Summit in Granada, the French president Emmanuel Macron stated that it is not time to sanction Azerbaijan as it would be ineffective. Instead, the French president suggested that the EU leaders continue dialogue with Azerbaijan and in doing so protect Armenia. He added, now is the time for demand 
demands clarity commitments, in particular the option chosen by France military support. On October 2, in a press briefing, State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller made several remarks about Artsakh. When asked whether the U.S. thinks uh, what happened there is ethnic cleansing, Miller responded, We take allegations of ethnic cleansing, genocide, or other atrocities seriously. We are in touch with contacts on the ground about the situation. We won't shy from taking appropriate actions to respond to allegations of atrocities and promote accountability for those responsible for atrocities when we see evidence that they've taken place. But as always, a determination regarding genocide or ethnic cleansing is based on a deliberate, evidence-based process. It's not something I can speak to with any degree of finality from this podium. Can I just remind everyone how long it took for Washington to recognize the Armenian genocide? (laughs) Well, when pressed that the region has been emptied of its civilian population, Miller added, it is certainly true that 100,000, or I should say around 100,000 ethnic Armenians have departed Nagorno-Karabakh for Armenia. Now we don't know, I don't think any of us can clearly say whether what percentage of these uh, these plan to remain in Armenia permanently, what percentage of them may want to come back if the conditions allowed, if they uh, felt sufficient assurances about that treatment if they would return, which is why we are reiterating our call for an independent international monitoring mission that would provide transparency and reassurance to the population of Nagorno that the rights and securities of ethnic Armenians would be protected, particularly for any of those that wish to return. Azerbaijan has made those assurances. We think that there ought to be an international monitoring mission there to observe and guarantee them. So, uh, well, all this narrative of there might be people willing to return or there's possibility of return, the fact, like, the message has not hit home for them for as to why these people had to leave mm-hmm. in the first place. No, I think they know. I think they know. They can't not know. Uh, the point now is if they admit it, that that means they have to take action, and nobody wants to do that. It's very clear that the people, the population of Nagorno-Karabakh, has been completely abandoned by every person, by every player, by every state, by everyone. And these children and women and men who are now trying to figure out how to how to live again. Um, it's well, Marie, if we're being completely honest, and this is a conversation we had just yesterday, they felt abandoned by Armenia. They felt abandoned by the international community. They felt abandoned by their own authorities and, and the Russian peacekeeping forces, which they had trust in, and they again and proved that they should not be trusted. So effectively, they were left unprotected. Right. And, and now... We have uh, a humanitarian catastrophe on our hands. Well, on October 5, the Archbishop of Canterbury tweeted that the people of Armenia are not forgotten, not by God and not by the church. Today, I began a two-day visit here. Having been to Azerbaijan and Georgia earlier this week, I have long been praying for the people of Armenia, which reminds me, has the Armenian church made any statements? Or are they taking in any of the refugees? Well, in October 2, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said that uh, in Russia they hope that the relations between Moscow and Yerevan will not be destroyed. The head of the Russian Foreign Ministry told journalists about this at the 20th annual meeting of the Valdai International Discussion Club. 
Lavrov said statements from Yerevan about the possibility of leaving the CSTO are a matter of independent decision, but Moscow hopes that no interim administration, he referred to the elected government of Armenia as an interim administration, just for yes. the record, will destroy the ties between Russia and Armenia. According to him, Moscow is working with Azerbaijani partners and neighbors to stabilize the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. We are working there to strengthen trust, to resume normal life, to create conditions for restoring the joint life of Armenians and Azerbaijanis. I hope that Yerevan will also be interested in it and will make efforts for it. Well, going back to his... Uh, no interim administration, mm-hmm. uh, his words. Well, uh, Zakharova was asked during her briefing as to what did Lavrov mean mm-hmm. by saying no interim uh, administration. And she said, I can't believe it's my job now to translate from Russian to Russian. Interim means interim and administration means administration. And it was like very funny for me. And then I realized, of course, if their their standards are Azerbaijan <laughs> and Russia, where someone Them comes stops. to power and stays for life uh, from generation to generation. Of course, any democratic government is an interim administration. (laughs) Indeed. I think we've spoken enough about Zakharova. Yesterday, Russian President Vladimir Putin said that in in a conversation with Azerbaijan's president, uh, that Aliyev promised to ensure the security of the Armenian population in in Nagorno-Karabakh. He will ensure the security and rights of the Armenian population. But now there are no Armenians left there. Well, Putin went on to say that after all territorial issues have been resolved, the Azerbaijani leadership will proceed from considerations of humanitarian nature in relation to the Armenian population and the former leaders of Nagorno-Karabakh. And this is like, again, you can tell me uh, every day that I'm hung up on words. Listen to this. After all territorial issues are resolved, then Azerbaijan will proceed from a point of view of humanitarian Mm -hmm. consideration. So up to this point and until uh, Mm -hmm. territorial issues are resolved, no humanitarian considerations. Well, we're dealing with despotic authoritarian leaders. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that this is the kind of rhetoric, the kind of language that's, you know, sort of coming from their lips. On October 5, in its daily bulletin, Russian peacekeepers reported that the temporary observation posts along the former contact line in the Askeram, Martagert, and Shushi districts have been dismantled. It also reported that in compliance with the previously reached ceasefire agreements, armed groups of Nagorno-Karabakh, this is in quotes, have turned in. 84 armored vehicles, 121 vehicles, 121 air defense uh, weapons, 105 artillery weapons, multiple launch rocket systems and mortars, one UAV, over 7,000 firearms and anti-tank weapons, and around 58 million rounds of ammunition. Armed groups of Nagorno-Karabakh complete uh, Azerbaijani vocabulary. And, well, maybe Zelensky should consider, should worry that this might be used in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Well, and today a Russian government official met with the mayor of Merdi in Armenia to discuss the upcoming opening of the Russian consulate general in Rapan. The Russian embassy in Armenia stated that the opening of the consulate will significantly simplify access to consular services for Russian citizens living in the in Armenia South. It added the new consulate general will contribute to the further strengthening of Armenian-Russian relations and stabilization of the situation in the region and will contribute to the the expansion of cultural, humanitarian, trade, economic, and inter-regional cooperation. So now Iran has a consulate, France, France and Russia in Tunic. 
On October 3, the Armenian parliament ratified the Rome Statute with 60 votes in favor, 22 against, zero abstentions. Both opposition factions, uh, Hayastan and I Have Honor, or Badivunem, voted against the ratification. Sarkis Khandanian, chair of the Parliamentary Committee on Foreign Affairs, told reporters after parliament ratified the statute that Armenia is taking all steps to ensure its security in various ways. He said the move is in the national interests of Armenia and has nothing to do with its relations with Russia. However, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said that Russia considers Armenia's ratification of the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court an incorrect step as an incorrect step from the point of view of bilateral relations. Yeah, we've written about the Rome Statute. We'll be having a new article in the coming days uh, sort of explaining some of the conversations that are t- taking place in Armenia's public space about what the Rome Statute is really about. It is it is an additional tool for Armenia to take uh, Aliyev to the Hague. I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, the, the key here. And of course, people are spinning it. Don't anger Russia too much, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. then we'll lose much more. It's not going to bring a lot of, but it's just part of the process, Mm -hmm. I think. But anyway, we will be having an article. You can look for it in the coming days. Armen Grigorian, the Secretary of Armenia Security Council, was in Iran from uh, October 1 to 4. Grigorian met with Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi, Secretary of the Supreme National Council, as well as the Foreign Minister. Grigorian held talks with the Iranian President to discuss regional security issues. It was emphasized that the principle of inviolability of borders should be respected and conflict should be resolved through dialogue. Chief of the General staff of the Iranian Armed Forces expressed Iran's readiness to send observers to the borders of Armenia and Azerbaijan, referring to the recent Armenian-American exercises, military exercises in Armenia. Uh, He said that the presence of extra-regional forces will cause instability. The Iranian foreign minister said to Grigorian that the 3 plus 3 platform, this uh, format includes the three countries of the South Caucasus and their three neighbors, Russia, Turkey, and Iran, is an ineffective format for solving regional problems. We already know that this format is dead in the water. Georgia yeah, never even agreed, about it, yeah. agreed to participate. And I think it's the only Iran that keeps remembering yeah. about this <laughs> initiative. Well, Grigorian in turn praised Iran's position regarding Armenia's territorial integrity and expressed his determination to expand ties with Tehran. Well, we're going to go a little bit back now. Top officials from the United States and the EU met with uh, their Russian counterparts for an undisclosed emergency talks in Turkey on September 17, designed to resolve the standoff over Nagorno-Karabakh just days before Azerbaijan launched its military offensive. That was on September 19. The meeting aimed to pressure Baku to end its nine-month blockade of the region and allow humanitarian aid convoys from Armenia to enter Artsakh. The U.S. was represented by Luis Bono, the senior advisor of Caucasus negotiations. The EU sent our friend Toivo Klar, its regional representative, and Russia dispatched Igor Khovayev, Putin's special envoy for relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Well, a U.S. official familiar with the matter who was granted anonymity by Politico is quoted saying that the meeting was to discuss sensitive diplomatic matters. The discussions came out of an understanding that the Kremlin still holds sway in the region. We need uh, to be able to work with the Russians on this because they have influence over the parties, especially as we're at a 
precarious moment right now. He was quoting that saying, but that precarious moment became a catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Russian Foreign Minister spokesperson Maria Zakharova commenting on this news noted that prior to Azerbaijan's September offensive, Brussels and Washington appealed to Moscow to hold a meeting on the subject of Nagorno-Karabakh. She said, I don't know about the secret negotiations of the US, the EU and Russia on the issue of Karabakh. The US and the EU approached us. They asked to hold a meeting. I would say to even facilitate take contacts and their goal was also mentioned during the meeting the parties exchanged views on the situation that's it she said well the u.s state department also confirmed that the meeting actually took place took place and then two days later we had the military offensive on october 2 armenia's defense ministry reported a ceasefire violation Um, there was a fire by azerbaijani armed forces in the direction of a vehicle that was transporting food Um, the armenian side had uh, one dead uh, aram kocharian and two wounded the two wounded servicemen uh, their life was not in danger they they were transferred to a military hospital Earlier, Armenia had to deny opening fire in the direction of the Azerbaijani positions. Baku claimed that on the afternoon of September 30, the Armenian side opened fire in the Kalbajar region. Azerbaijan's defense ministry stated that a soldier was killed as a result of the shooting. Yesterday, Armenia's defense ministry also reported that Azerbaijan fired at the Norabak positions in the direction of a food delivery vehicle. Again, uh, there were no casualties. And uh, on the domestic front, on October 4, Prime Minister Nigel Pashinyan appointed former human rights defender Christine Grigorian as director of the Foreign Intelligence Service. Armenia has never had a foreign intelligence service. This is a new thing for the country. According to Pashinyan's spokesperson, the main objective of the service is to predict foreign threats and opportunities facing Armenia's state and society and to provide political decision makers with reliable, relevant, trustworthy intelligence and to prevent positive threats and um, to deal with existing challenges. She added that the creation of the new service is an important part of the government's ongoing strategic reform in the security sector. The law on the service was adopted and took effect back in December of 2022. On October 3, Petitions Committee of the Turkish Parliament received a, a petition regarding uh, Armenia's nuclear power plant that's located 16 kilometers from the border with Turkey to take measures to close the nuclear power plant. The text mentions that due to the expiration of the period of operation of the plant, it may pose a danger. Well, this is no news. This is kind of uh, similar they alarms. It every yes, time they, they feel they need well. to. Um, it's been a very, very uh, intense and heavy week uh, in terms of the news cycle. We hope <laughs> what we said made sense, and uh, we continue to update our news watch section. We have a thing called Artsakh Watch. You can follow minute by minute updates over there. And this week, we've also been doing a series of podcasts called uh, Spotlight Artsakh. We've done a podcasts with a representative of the International Committee of the Red Cross with Reporters Without Borders. We will be having one coming up with uh, Judge Gassia Apkarian of the Center for Truth and Justice. They are on the ground collecting evidence and testimonies from the victims. Um, did a podcast with Garo Pailan, who talked about the need for unity uh, as Armenia faces uh, an existential threat from Turkey and Azerbaijan. We'll be continuing that series next week as well, and we will be continuing to publish articles about the situation in Armenia with the forcibly displaced Armenians of Artsakh. 
Thank you for following, for your comments. Uh, you can check all of our social media platforms for all the updates. So have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you.